Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode 34, recorded on February 1st, 2022. And this time, we're talking about hockey. All right, so what does hockey have to do with smart cities? That's a very good question. And there's a very good answer coming from the commissioner of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. First, though, and you know what's coming, it's Grant Furlane with his news. Let's go to the Grant Furlane newsroom, and here's what's happening this week. Thanks, Alan. Um, we always try to talk a bit about smart city, um, urban transformation, because that is uh, what we're about. Um, there was a great article in um, Forbes that I read through um, about the projection of urban areas. And, and it was, uh, so you know, it was um, about uh, the brand contributor was one person, but it was actually written about uh, uh, about Deloitte to, Deloitte's leadership group. And here's what some interesting things that I thought uh, were very interesting. Then we, we talk about urban planning and where we're going with smart city. Well, this will affect everything. So, it is projected by 2030 um, that 60% of the world's population, right, ur- the urban areas are projected to house 60% of the world's population for three quarter and three and account for three quarters of the total global energy demand and 81% of the global consumption. So, what do we get from that? Well, clearly, the future is urban, um, and so. In their study, they looked at 167 cities, and they all have, all of them have had in the United Nations, all of them had uh, sustainable cities and communities um, um, planning programs. And and what that means is um, the trends are they've all identified that they actually have to do this. Um, Building infrastructure is 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 what they've got to do, but it's all around. Um, most of the buildings currently are responsible for 30 to 40% of the city emissions. We talk about cars and all that, but people don't realize that. Um, and because of they're saying, let's assume that a, a, the, the degree of a, a, a future de, uh, the rise of, um, uh, uh, because of human temperature will be one and a half, two degrees by 2050. That has a big effect on building emissions, right? Um, so um, these 160 or uh, seven cities are all running now and doing building planning. And I think COVID um, has highlighted the need, uh, demand for more walking and cycling space. Um, the physical distancing is going to happen. And the fewer cars lower the pollution and congestion. So this, this study says what's going to play the big role? Artificial intelligence. Right to power all this automation and to make sure people do just like um, um, our show today. It's just another example of AI powering the future of the city. Um, AI is going to go further though. We're talking smart city. It's going to power the protection of civil liberties, the tra- the public trust side, right? Which we have a problem with right now, uh, Alan. Cybersecurity and of course circular economy. So I think this is intriguing in that. Um, what they're saying is, hello, AI, something you and I have talked about over and over. 
Um, and wow, um, we better get going. Interesting. Okay. Um, it is to me. Um, well, of course it is. It's your business. Correct. But I think it's, every, you know what? Isn't everybody's business? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, you're, you're right. Well, we, and we sit on the sidelines. And we Well, I sit on the sidelines and watch this with interest. And I don't. And Well, you're not really. You're involved in that. Oh, uh, okay, fine. Okay, and I, and I think that um, it leads me into technology. And, and as you know, um, and it's creepy, but we keep talking about it. But, you know, the fact now that they're saying for sure now, they developed the ability for, for robots to reproduce. What? what? Uh, okay, now this this is my science fiction nightmare. It's not. Where, it's not science what they, fiction. What they, they have figured out. Things? Yeah. Um, they're, yeah are, they, they, are they called self-replicating robots? Aren't those Van Neumann yeah. machines? Kind of, right? I mean, that would be a good way to explain it. But effectively, they've figured out now um, how to reproduce. Robots can reproduce. And, um, and, and of course, oh, you better, you, you, wait, wait, stop. You better explain exactly what you mean by robots reproducing because people are going to be thinking, mm, robots okay. so, so robot A is, as we know, they're humanoids. Humanoid A has all the things it can do. Humanoid B has things to do. Humanoid A is humanoid B and they, they reproduce someone that is a new robot that's robot number two, three. And it's a combination of robot A and B who have communicated and ventured and, through mind and body and all this stuff, have now produced this new robot that can do all these things. It's scary, but true. Uh-huh. I'm not. I'm. I'm not kidding you. Okay. You no, look, no, look no. I, 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 I never doubt you, Grant. It's I just know that, you think it's crazy. Well, and when I read just, it, but it, you know when you read it, it makes total sense. It's scary. Hold on. Do I like it? I don't know, um, Alan. Well, I love technology, and I'm building a robot myself, but I don't know. Because you know what? When's it going to stop? And what do what, what do they need us for? Oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my point. I'm just going to look something up here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Von go ahead. Neumann yep. machines. Yeah. Yep. So a, a Von Neumann machine is yep. a an early computer. No. Hang on, maybe I'm wrong. But there's, you know, one of the things that, that science fiction writers talk about is this idea that there are these 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 robots, these probes uh, floating through the galaxy, uh, visiting various planets and star systems. And in order to explore them, what they simply do is take up residence on an asteroid and then make their own machine yeah. Uh, to explore that area, and then they float off to the next. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, system. it's no different. Um, I mean, that's a that's more of a research thing. Um, but we want that. See, now you're talking stuff I want. That stuff doesn't scare me. That's um, that's a super super great idea, and um, because it allows us to learn where we might be living one day. Not me and you, but maybe humans if we get booted off this planet, but um, I'm not saying we're going to, but um, we want to do that kind of stuff. I think that. uh, uh, Well, it would would certainly be a super cost efficient way of exploring the solar system, you know, rather than send out, you you send out one probe rather than 50. And, you you know, you, you put the big machine up on, uh, you know, on Ceres or or one of the asteroids and they just build more probes and send them on their way. Well, I mean, there you go. Um, and that was, you know, and, and as you know, um, 
one of our one of our uh, partners in our technology, Barney Powell, which we had on the show, is funny you say that. So one of the companies he had started, uh, Moon Express, literally sent a robot to the moon, and then it built all its tools there right. that it would use on the moon, and then it would plant down a camera, and then it would fly back, and it would actually charge people to use that camera on the moon. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. All right, one more story. Because I can't take much more from you this time. You can't take much more? No, well, I, I can't. Um, I mean, but, you know, I'm going to be able to, I won't be able to sleep as it is. Okay, this is the coolest. Okay, now we get off to the fun stuff. So I'm reading this thing, and they're, they're talking about, Alan, the future of gas stations. And, and what I realize it could be electrify stations. I get that. But you're going to love this. The future will have, we know the future. It will have, this is going to have treadmills, it'll have gardens, solar panels, and no gas. So the future is you'll drive in and you may, you know, jump on, it's called, by the way, there's a company doing this. It's called Parkland. Okay, so you can look it up. But it's a gas station office that's going to have around 3,000 locations in 25 countries. And it's an electric filling station. And what they're selling is an experience. I know it. I get it. But I think what they were thinking, maybe, Alan, is that the reality that we're going to be able to charge a car properly in ten minutes ain't going to happen. So no, how do you, Yeah. So so let, let's pretend they're right for now. So um, what they're going to have is you'll pull in. And I think people are interested in this because. You'll pull in and say, okay, it's going to take 40 minutes for my full charge. Well, guess what? While you're here, why don't you take a sauna, do a treadmill, work out, and all these things will be here. In the summer, it'll be all outdoor, and the winter will have indoor, and the whole thing we're going to run will run off the grid. You know, I was thinking about gas stations the other day. When I was growing up, there was a gas station on every corner. Correct. And over the last 25 years, the number of gas stations has shrunk. There's one particular corner near me where there was a gas station on, on all three corners. Now there's just one. So my thinking was, this is a real estate issue. What are you going to do with all this basically brownfield lot, all these brownfield lots that uh, you know, are going to have to be developed into something else? And why don't we see more gas stations today with a charging station uh, already in, in, in operation? Well, that's wrong, and, and and that's a good that's a good argument. I don't know why, and and again, being in the business, and we so you know, we now install charging stations that are running to our applications. We've done numerous buildings with a charging partner that is growing very big. I don't get the gas station. I'm going to tell you why I think that is. It takes too long to charge. People are just not there yet. They're bypassing these charging stations. Why? They don't want to sit at a gas station. So they have a charge going from A to B. They're going to get rate to B and then charge there. And normally you can go city to city now in, a, in an electric vehicle. So I got to think that is going to happen, what you said. And I got to think this company that's buying these um, mobile modular systems that fit into you know a, a gas station, I think you have therapy. You have massage therapy. You have... Um, this nice garden now that's all plant filled that you're inside of that you don't see the highway and all that. They're creating what everyone wants. Don't you agree? Everything we're doing now is about, is all about experience. Right. Now, 
Did I ever think this is going to be an experience-based system? No. But I get it. Maybe health food, maybe drinks. Um, well, well, you know, we're not that far away from it. If you think about all the big, giant rest stops and truck stops along freeways, I mean, that's essentially what they are. You know, there, there's a big food court. There's a, a, a place okay. to hang out. Good enough. So, Good enough. So, so, so they already exist. Maybe maybe they just need to electrify and have all these cool things. Like, I like yeah. the game. I like the game. You know, yeah. you go in there, you rest, relax, you, you, you work out. Cool. Walk on yeah. the treadmill. Come on, Al. That'd be cool. And and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit in my car for 40 minutes waiting for correct. it to pop up. Or sit in. Who wants you know? And sit inside with your laptop. I don't know. I don't think so. And so, what they're trying to do is create an experience that we'll buy into. And I buy into this. So I think that's how I'd leave it today. Marty Savoy is the commissioner of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And uh, no, you you haven't downloaded some sports podcast by mistake. He's here to tell us how his league is using technology to make the game stronger and to benefit all the players. He spoke to us from his office. Something a little bit different for the Smart City Podcast this time. We're going to talk sports. Specifically, we're going to talk about hockey and even more specifically, the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And uh, here we have Marty Savoy. It, It must have been really, really tough over the past couple of years for, uh, you know, running a league like this with COVID. Yeah, it, it's been extremely tough, Alan, because, you know, we do this because we're, we're trying to move kids on to the next level. Uh, and the first shutdown happened right after the first round of our playoffs where we're getting into what we call the fun hockey. Um, and they missed the whole playoffs. And then all of last year, they they missed and then another shutdown. And you, you look at not just the exposure of the players, but um, just the development of them. Uh, and we've seen it in, in them. And then the mental side of it and everything, it's been extremely tough on on everybody. But we look at the at the 506 kids in the league and the impact that's been on them. And it's been, it's been extremely difficult. Well, they're on a timeline too, because they're only eligible for junior hockey for so many years. And if they don't prove themselves during that timeline, they maybe lose a shot at the pros. Yeah. So what happens with our players is that a lot of them are trying to go to the NCAA um, and they're competing against players that are, are in the U S that, that didn't really shut down. And so they're missing out on, you know, some of these scholarships are worth, you know, half a million, you know, quarter million dollars, depending on what school you're going to. Uh, and so they're missing out on the NCAA education side of it, which advances their, their professional careers. But just from the other side of it, being drafted, whether it's the National Hockey League or the NHL teams looking at them, they're now competing against players that have a year and a half of development on them because they haven't played. Yeah, development, size, skill, everything. Let, let's go back to the uh, to the NCAA. So, so Marty, I got a question for that. Um, so, as you know, my son went down there and played. But the um, the the NCAA, when you hit a certain age, can you like I don't think there's any age requirement to play a, to go to college. But I don't know that. But of course, they lose the competitiveness to get that scholarship. But if I finished junior hockey. Um, can I still go down and try to get a scholarship even though I'm not playing because I'm over the age, I guess 21's the age limit or Marty, you can maybe shed some light on that. Yeah. For your first year, I believe you have to be, um, under 21 for it. Um, but it's extremely difficult. Grant. There you go. Yeah. If you're going to try to um, go up against players that are currently playing in your other league, I've never actually seen or heard that happening. So, um, you know, that's especially our 20 year olds, the one you have last year that missed the whole entire season. Um, It sucks. yeah, it's just, it's, that's the best way to put it. It does suck. And there's, you know, we do as much as we can as administrators and promoting the kids and everything that we do. And it's just, you know, you, you look at just the pure numbers that, that have dropped off because of it. It gets scary to 
So, Marty and, and Alan, I, I know we jumped right into COVID as we always do, but maybe before we get into, um, you know, and it does, this does have a smart city t- kind of uh, test to it. And I'll tell you why. I'm, um, um, during the COVID and during all these challenges, um, we've all had to change how we do things. And I think we're all going to change how we do things. We have no choice. Some people have changed for the better and some we're going to change no matter what. But there's going to be no way of doing a lot of things. And I think what might help us a bit, Marty, is for the people who don't know, I view this as a sports thing, not just hockey, but maybe go back, get a little history uh, quickly of what the the Ontario Hockey League, the Junior Hockey League is. Uh, What is the the basis for it? How do these kids get here? And where do they want to go? And then we can get to Alan quickly. This won't take long. Then we'll get into... What at the challenges and where we're going with it, and what Marty uh, thinks is exciting in the future. Yeah, sure. So quickly, the, we're one of uh, nine junior A leagues across the country, part of the Canadian Junior Hockey League. Players come to our our level to get to go to the NCAA or the OHL or U Sports. Seventy um, percent of the athletes that come into our league move on to a higher league of hockey. Um, you know, if you ask the the ownership group in our league, the purpose of our league is to develop young men through the sport of hockey, and that's what we try to do. At one time, Grant, I think back when you were in the league, we were thirty six teams, and we knew we had to get down to twenty two to help the yeah, uh, yeah. the game. So we went through a, a crazy expansion, uh, uh, decommission, and contraction process that took I think it was three years to get us down to the twenty two. Um, and so from there, I've been doing this 12 years now. And the one thing we've really tried to focus on is being leaders through a number of our digital things and our technology that we are using, which is kind of unique with the discussions here today. Um, and just advancing the players as, as much as we can. We, we're in the hockey hotbed. Um, there's a lot of players in this area. So there's a lot of, of them to service. Um, but that's what our, our, our mandate and our purpose of the league and is to move these kids on. We started a foundation about four years ago with the very first thing for mental health. Uh, we've created wow. our own mental program just for junior age. So, Grant, your son has been through this. What he had to do mentally um, was a lot different than the average person 16 to 20 years of age. We recognized that and created a program uh, just for the junior age program. We know that um, I get the phone call when when, when people are, are at their wits end um, and we have programs for them. So a lot's changed within the league uh, with it moving forward. But um, we pride ourselves, everybody, whether you're an owner, a coach, a GM, a, a staff person in the league, we're here to move these kids on to the next level of life. And, and we've been successful. As a, you know, your, your son's one of them, Grant. It's great. No, I mean, I, and it's funny when you say that. I was in a meeting this morning and, you know, listen, guys, Marty said and, and Alan, we're in the hockey bed of the, of the world. And Ontario is the center of Canada. And they were asking me, Marty, one said, I got a son. He's playing hockey. And I go, fantastic. Like I said, you know, um, my son was fortunate to go to the junior league. And then, and, and I actually owned a team for a while. And he went and played. And then said, wait, 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 wait. Oh, stop. Is that another thing that you've done that I don't know about? <laughs> yes. Sorry, uh, what, Alan. What, I don't wait, say what, much, Marty. Um, what, well, but, hang on. I, you know, we've been working together for a couple of years now. You never told me you owned a hockey team. Well, because I don't talk about everything I do, Alan. I mean, so uh, look quickly. I owned the Dixie Beehives for a while. Marty was a, was a, a phenomenal commissioner when I was there. I learned a lot, guys. And the Dixie Beehives is probably the oldest junior team in the world almost. And I was part of the decommissioning because I wanted the, comp- the club to go under, to, to, to shut down with my name and with Marty. So I, I thought it was the right move for him to make the league smaller and better. And so that's what happened. My son didn't play for me much. 
he went out, to, he played in, in Ontario and then out to um, BC and then went on to college. But um, I always had a great relation with Marty. And I'm um, sorry, I do this, Marty. I don't tell him any crap. No, I don't know <laughs> anything. I, I learn so, things as we go along. He, he'll say something, a guy did that. He goes, when? And then, <laughs> or he'll say, he'll say, of course you did. But yeah, sorry. Well. Um, so I want to go wait, back to wait, this. What, so, one, wait, one more question. Where was the Dixie Beehives? Marty, you can tell them. It's a very famous club. It was originally, uh, you should know, it was originally on Dundas Street, the old Dixie Arena where many NHL players oh, remember. Oh, and okay. then I moved it to a, a bigger venue. And um, they were in Mississauga area, Mississauga area, in, um, or in Tobacco. And then um, when I left, we dis- we, we um, turned in the name and, and retired it. Okay. And there's a, there's a book out on it as well, Alan. But back to this, um, you were saying how it's changed a lot from when Jordan was there. And um, I'd love to hear about that and then where it's going. Yeah, one of the big things that we tried to do um, is that when we took over, we were a bunch of hockey guys who run a hockey business. And it's a bit unique the way we run a business that we're in the business of junior hockey. But one of the things we did a couple of years ago is we, we knew um, I, I worked in the mobile space for, for three years. And all I remember is, is the saying that content is king. And I remember people talking about content, content. I didn't know what it meant and everything like that. So one of the first things we did is brought a gentleman on the, by the name of Tim Bates and created OJHL images just to get still photography, to be able to get still imaging. Um, that led into another thing and another thing where uh, last year, uh, this year, sorry, we've launched a whole new social media eco- ecosystem that no other junior league or most professional leagues aren't using through a company called Open Doors, where um, we have um, what we called um, um, content creators. So we have content creators at our games. Uh, they'll shoot an image and then automatically will get uploaded to our players or our fans um, email. And then they can automatically push a button and upload it across social media platforms. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. And it, it's amazing to see just the increase of viewership once we do that. Um, so now we're doing it on the video side. The other thing that we started doing is in analytics. Analytics is massive in sport right now. Um, but we're using the analytics not just for the breakdown and pre-scouting of games, but you were using it to recruit players and for the advancement. So now when you get a player and you can say over the course of the last three years, analytically, analytically this is where they've uh, increased and they've developed. And then we can push that information onto schools and in youth sports to the OHL so they have a, a whole background analytics on the player as well. Um, so we're looking at as much digital and as much new technology as possible to enhance the overall. Program. So you're 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 promoting the players on behalf of the league. Where in our day we had to find those schools, get people to those schools, drive to those schools, uh, play in front of them all. But it seems to me the technology has allowed you to make it easier to highlight the league and all the kids, and let the scouts decide. And you still got to do the other stuff. But it sounds to me, Marty, that, that what you've done now is made it up an equal playing base for everybody. Yeah, and so our teams are still instrumental in, in moving the kids on, but all we're trying to do is enhance. We just talk, we do, we have a safety, we learn, share, and leverage from one another. Um, and we now we're actually in conversations with a company about, this is crazy, I don't know how it works, but uh, AI that's going to allow us to facial recognition of the players for one, we get a still image of them. It'll automatically upload and you'll know exactly where it automatically goes out to the people that want that shot of them. It's, it's pretty amazing once you get into it all. Um, and then the whole back end with our registration process, if you can imagine, Grant, when you were in the league, it's all pen and paper. We're now 
We're close to launching a whole online mobile where you can sign, trade, do everything right from your phone. So the technology has caught up to every other business. Now it's slowly catching up inside of hockey. I'm just thinking how much this has changed things for, for, for scouts. You know, you don't have to sit in cold arenas, you know, night after night after night. Well, you still do. I mean, you want to see these, these kids play, but at the same time, if you have the analytics, if you have all the information. Well, you can be in five places now. At at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a great point. I think what it allows them to do is just be a bit smarter. Um, So whereas in the, the day they would just come out and try to catch a game here, catch a game here and try to go through the identification process. There's different steps they go through when they're scouting. What it allows them to do is break that down a little bit now. So the, let's say there's a thousand kids. Well, through analytics, through video, through every all the technology, they might be able to get that down to the 10, 15 kids they're looking at. Not that they're not going to still catch that, that kid in a game that, that shows really well. Um, but, but these are, these are multi-million dollar programs that our players are going into and they use every piece, whether it's technology, whatever they have to use for, to make them have the best decision. Uh, when they have to recruit. And so all we need to do is make sure we align that technology of the technology available for them to make sure that our players, again, the purpose of the league is to develop young men through hockey. Well, all the technology just supports us in working with them. And I'm going to guess the NCAA is your biggest competitor in terms of technology. Yeah, it's interesting because the open doors one that we're doing with pushing with our social media ecosystem, the NCAA is the only group that's really doing it and not as a whole. It's just individual schools that are doing it. Um, where things they have influencers and, you know, owned and operated platforms like we do. Um, most of the junior programs in the country, whether it be major junior here in Canada, just they're not there yet. All right. Let me try and tie this into the concept of smart cities. And, and Grant, you can help me with this. How does sure. this conversation where we're talking about junior hockey, how does this fit within the whole concept of smart cities? Well, let me step in here a bit because, of course, as you know, Alan, my background's AI. And so um, the fact that using AI already tells you that now learning how to remotely use intelligent uh, uh, information to create profiles and instant information on people. And so that's one that he said, and he can probably elaborate a bit, but I guess more so, Marty, um, even the idea of where do you schedule, um, how do you handle all the venues, um, where, when do you stop something with COVID? We know what happened. Um, but with COVID, um, what do you know more about uh, the, the league and, and where to assimilate hockey? Um, we, uh, when I was involved, Marty, um, we knew that um, the, we'll call the, the cities that we were promoting junior hockey were outside of the major Toronto area because there was so much hockey. Um, and then I don't know how you've done as far as identifying markets now, and the analytics will tell you that. And, and so therefore we have that whole thing of movement of people and players throughout the, the province. And so I'd have to think that has a big effect on, um, how smart you are with what you're doing. Yeah, it's interesting because one of, one of the plans that we did with contraction was relocation. We've relocated a number of teams. Um, the most recent one would have been uh, moved to move into Collingwood from Kingston to Collingwood. Um, we have criteria when we go through working with the community and what's not the venue, what the venue has. Um, and a lot of the venue information that we have to have regarding whether it's seating, whether it's ticketing, whether it's the um, just the upload speeds and every, everything that we have to look at. 
um, to make it sure it's a venue that we want. A lot of our venues aren't there. They're legacy venues, we call them. But any of the new venues, we have to make sure that the technology side of it is up to speed, that they can handle the, the HD. 5G, all that stuff. Sure. It, it becomes more important. So how we tie this into to what, with, with your company is that we at the OJHL always go to experts in the fields of subject matter to see how we can use that to enhance what we're doing. Um, the whole AI conversation is going to get, I believe, into sport where you can start, you know, a player that has this type of analytical background of this size, of this stature might be able to do this in the following through AI. It's just, it's fascinating to try to find the connection <laughs> between the two where you have somebody that understands the sport, somebody understands the technology. We call it the old whiteboard and you sit in a room and then you just start spitballing. Can you do this? And that happens from both sides. We have this technology. Could you use it? And then from our side, we said, we would like to do this. Do you have the technology? And the marriage usually happens in the middle. Well, I got a question for you. So, uh, and it's good because I see you're doing. I can tell you from my experience, you have, I'm not going to call them this because they're not really blue collar because there are owners that can afford to buy these things. But the blue collar mentality of the whiteboard. And have you had any challenges getting owners to jump over to the tech future? No, not really, because we're, we, we run off of a, of a strat map. And we measure everything we do. And so we, we, we only chase a number of initiatives each year. And, and one of them, when we did last year, was technology. And so they buy into the strategy that's aligned to our purpose. You know, there's th three levels of your organization. Strategically, our governors buy in um, to the strategy, and then we develop the process and the execution of the whole thing. Um, they've been been outstanding with us, Grant, to let you know. Fantastic. Yeah, they believe in what we're doing. They see where we're trying to take things because it is a bit unique. What's a hockey guy doing on a technology call? Well, it is because we form partnerships to see what we can do. This whole AI thing, one of the things we're looking at now is, in, in, what I'm hearing, again, on the hockey guy here, is that once we get the AI in, in, in place with the numbering on the helmets, the next step is to be able to put sponsors on the jerseys that they'll be able to pick up. So as soon as a shot happens with uh, with with an X brand on the jersey, that could get picked up through our open open doors platform strategy we have that goes across our marketing partners brands. As and we have offers and good work, Marty. Now right. here here's what you could do even more, and I don't want to jump in here. You don't even have to have the ads on the jerseys. The AI could say, oh, that team, he has this ad, and it flashes the ad on the jersey when the person's watching it, right? And let's say, if you don't want them all over you, so, so you understand, that's where AI will go. It will go with the AI of, you know, we call it the metaverse, guys. Um, and I don't want to get way above, but as you know, that's our business. But And I'm not promoting our business here. We're promoting what, Mar what, um, what Mari does. But the metaverse is going to play a big part in sports. Now, think of it, Alan. It is going to be a big part of sports. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when that actually happens and how um, leagues like Marty's uh, can make that uh, jump again um, to that area. Now, you talked about legacy buildings and new buildings. What kind of infrastructure, technological, uh, technological infrastructure is required in the building to enact this AI technology? So the biggest thing right now is just what's on the player. And, and again, I'm going to get this wrong because, I, again, I'm the hockey guy here. As long as we have the identification on the player someplace that are, when we shoot the player, 
the background platform that it gets shot to. So we don't need the technology in the building outside of the individual shooting the player. So we're trying to line up our web. It's all being down the cloud. It's all being down the cloud. Exactly. Exactly. So what we need from our side is up, like what, what Grant was saying, the, the 5G, the upload speeds. Because if you can appreciate, now we have our webcasting of our games. We do all of our live statistical data. It's just a lot of bandwidth that you got to upload because there's we so much. We didn't have that, Marty, yes. when I was there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's a lot of money because they got to rerun everything within these buildings. And and what we're actually finding, Alan, is that we go in and the town and, and like a town of Collin, which is a great example. They're they're unbelievable for us to deal with. Is that they say, well, we're not going. Why would we invest the money for just the one user group until we explain the business model where that eventually everybody is going to be using the technology? Is that the building is going to need that bandwidth? Um, and then it allows you to get creative with everything else that you want to do. And I think I think you remember, uh, Alan, and I know you do, but um, we're developing an infrastructure of communication. And it's about everything people want to do. And my feeling is sports. And although this discussion today is our favorite sport in Canada, hockey, um, we have to be interfaced with everybody. We have to be part of that infrastructure. And so all of a sudden all these leagues all have to blend in to all the things because we're going to be linking AI to everything. You know, when you start looking at these things, people are going to add more programs on their own to facilitate what they're doing in hockey and, and other sports. So the, the idea of blending in the most important things in families' lives, sports, is a big deal. So this is sort of the thin edge of the wedge approved concept for things to move beyond just hockey. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what it is? It, all it is is engaged, the way I see it, is that it's just engagement with the individual, whether it's a fan, the sponsor, whoever it may be. What you're looking at is a whole different, and the whole megaverse stuff, we had a discussion with staff today talking a little bit about it. There work. you go. Because <laughs> if you told me a number of years ago that we're going to be using just the analytics stuff that we have, um, you know, you know, one of the issues right now with analytics when it comes to the development of the athlete is putting the chip inside the puck and keeping the um, not compromising the integrity of the puck. Once you can start doing that, put chips in jerseys of players like the NHL is kind of doing, then it's simple things like development of an athlete, how fast they go into a corner and how fast they come out with a puck. And you can start developing and, and teaching them players on the skill level. That's just from a development standpoint. And then take that information and put it inside something like the metaverse. So. I, again, you could have like a real game going on inside the metaverse. It's, it's no chip, no chip, Marty. Chips are dead. It's funny about the metaverse, though, because as you know, um, we don't know this, Marty, but I have an investment in a new metaverse uh, technology company that's in the video uh, videoing of of production videos with metaverse uh, edition. Of, which Alan, of course, of course, you, know, you do, Alan. You're coming in. Oh, I know. Man. He, I drive him nuts, but um, but. Um, Listen, guys, um, I don't know where it's going to go, because if we all knew, we'd be uh, trillionaires. But I can tell you one thing. It's going to play a big part in sports, guys, really big. And, Marty, you're having the right discussions. Um, but I'm going to go uh, some other areas that I'd like to hear. Wait, so, can I, can oh, I just yeah, inter- go, ahead. go ahead. Just go ahead. Just, just let me interrupt this. I'm thinking about how this technology can be applied to the coding of video games. Well, of course. Think about the the added realism to like a you know an NHL twenty twenty five or whatever the game is. Oh, you're missing and, the, the, you're missing what they could use it for. Think of the owner coding it to their own team and figuring oh. out what they're doing right or wrong. Falling. Oh no, the the the, the, the it's changing the world and 
And I believe Marty is is on the leading edge, it looks like. Um, I'm telling you, I don't know a lot of people doing this kind of stuff in his world. So Marty is a high-tech group in a low-tech industry. That's how I'll say it. And so what he's doing, he's taking stuff that's readily available now, and he's saying, we want to apply it. And I think it's huge. It's absolutely huge, Marty. And that's why we have these conversations, because Alan just said, my mind's racing right now. Is that you have... (laughs) You have a band that's sitting at home play a game against the Georgetown Raiders versus the Oakfield Blades, and they insert themselves in the metaverse in the game, and we we, we allow the other players to like pull the centerman out, and they now become the center of that game. Like it's or, just or Marty assimilate a game. I'm, yeah. I'm the coach. I'm going to assimilate. They're going to do oh. it, guys. I'm. I know. See now, <laughs> I'm trying to explain to you guys. I'm going to assimilate playing. I'm going to assimilate playing Collingwood. Okay, team. Here's what we got to do. Um, look at this. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. The AI is going to tell the coach. I know in the end it's that coach on the bench. I get that. But that AI is going to say, you know what? 18 out of 20 times the probability of this defenseman coming out of the zone and doing something, this is what he's going to do. They're going to use probability, not just anything. Now, imagine that, Marty. Um, so the AI is going to say, you know what? When you play Collingwood, the probability, now remember, when they're going to use AI and they're going to use the stats, the analyticals to say, no matter what, guys, this is what's going to happen in this scenario. Can you imagine what's going to happen here? Everyone playing against like a game of chess. And if you think that's not going to happen, you're wrong. It is. Well, it's, 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 like play, <laughs> it's like playing war games. Yep. <laughs> Theoretical <laughs> war games. But it's fun, guys. That's not. I hate the word war. No, I understand. Um, I, I understand. Um, I believe the uh, the the statistical word is stochastic or stochistic. So I want to go back to, and I, and I'm sorry, but I do want to go back to. Uh, a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast. They're great about the technology, and they're going to be excited. But I know what, guys. I want to go back to grassroots before we finish this thing. And I, Marty, what are you telling people out there? Are, are why should parents play in your league? Why should players come to your league? How do they access it? What What is the, the great things about it? We can talk about the, the crappy stuff where people get upset and complain. That's sports and that's growing up in the world of sports. And we know that. I want people to watch this and say, man, they're moving ahead. And my son or daughter or whatever should play in this league. Yeah, it, it's unique, Grant, because what again, what we've tried to do in our league is be able to when you look at development of an athlete and the development model is where are they coming in from? What are you doing? Where are you trying to get them to? And that's how you put a model together. Uh, and so we work, we're lucky because we have, we do have the best minor system in the world uh, with the GTHL, the Alliance, the OMHA. So the players come in and we're, we're lucky because of that. So we have to make sure we take care and we have to know where we're going to advance them to. A lot of the stuff is the different events that we do. We're the only junior A league in the country that has a nationally televised game. We do our first one. So you talk about the effects of COVID trying to get all these games back and everything. Uh, we have a partnership with Channel 1 CHCH that um, starting the next five weekends on Saturdays, we have a nationally televised game. Um, Good to hear. Mm. Yeah, we do it all to try to promote the player and everything like that. Uh, we have an all-star event that we had to cancel that we're trying to get in. We have a combine that we just launched. And all of it is just trying to get them into the development model to be able to get them through the league to get them where they want to go. To. We don't care where they go. Grant, as you know, is that some yeah. leagues only want you to go NCAA or major junior or do sports. We just want you to move on. We, we You want to we give have, these guys opportunities. 
exactly. We actually have a plan in place for our next year's on project in like we do in and on projects within our league. Um, and one of the projects that we want to do is what are we doing with the 30% of the players that don't move on to the next level? We have to do something for them. And so through our foundation, we're looking for partners to look in and say, okay, uh, Marty Savoy was, uh, just didn't move on in hockey, but maybe he has something in the technology field, a trade or something. So we want to push him in through the business really? world. Because it's 100%. So we score everything. We want oh, to get that's to pretty good. Take I care so. Every athlete that leaves, every person that leaves, that's why we're here to develop young men through hockey, not just develop hockey players. It's a big statement. So you ask why you come to our league. We care about the 100%, not just the 70%. That is a, a fantastic place to leave it. Thank you, Marty, for explaining uh, what you guys are doing. I was a little confused when I saw Grant saying we're going to be talking to you. Uh, because it, didn't make, it, it just didn't register. I just but, told but, we're doing it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, 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 here I am. So, so good job. It certainly has changed a lot since I followed uh, the Manitoba Major Junior Hockey League back in, in, in my day, uh, where it was nothing but, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-olds on a bus going between uh, Morden and the Paw. So this is, uh, this is pretty cool. Th- thank you so much for, for sharing uh, this vision with us. I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this edition of the Smart City Podcast. Back soon with conversations with more smart people and their ideas for connecting us together through smart technologies. If you have any questions or comments, send them to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And check out the website, thesmartcity.blog. Again, notice that URL. The Smart City Podcast brought to you by Locomobi World. Moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producers, Grant Furley. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive Assistant is Andrew Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.